Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today is always your host, Evan Sidery, and I'm joined by co-host Burning Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSidery. You can follow Burn on Twitter at BurningClean14. This is for our Locked On Suns page. You're now already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support there is very appreciated as always. And we're joining you guys today for our latest episode. Really, it's been a couple weeks, Brent, since we last did one. It's the playoff race. The, the Suns, two surprising wins back-to-back uh, on a back-to-back in Chicago and a follow-up in Utah with a 20-point win. Maybe the Suns have some life left in, the, in them in this playoff stretch, Brent. But currently looking at Tankathon here in the reverse standings, the Suns are currently four and a half games back of that eighth seed. What do you think has to be done here for the Suns team to really make a run? Because this this stretch kind of here, six-game home stretch, kind of previewed it last night on our episode. But we had the Clippers, Pistons, Warriors, Raptors, Trailblazers, and Bucks all over the next two and a half weeks of Tuckster's Arena. I feel like the Suns have to go a minimum three and three over the stretch here if they want to really stay, stay, stay afloat here. Yeah, the first thing to note here, I think, to me is – the strength of schedule, and I think the reason this con- this uh, this race is getting so much conversation is a there's a lot of teams in the hunt. You know, the Kings even have kind of stayed just like the Suns have in the the further reaches of it. And New Orleans making they've just played so well since they lost I think 13 straight in the early winter, and and they've played really great since then. Zion's back, etc. So there's a lot of teams, but B. The Grizzlies have the hardest remaining schedule. The of their opponents are a combined fifty six percent win uh, win win percentage, winning percentage this year. So that's the top, not only in this group but in the whole NBA. At least you know top is in hardest. So I think that's the reason a lot of people still believe that this thing is wide open. And and I tend to agree. And with the Suns winning the back to back games, they they kind of breathe new life into. Uh, into their own chances and I agree with your thought on the homestand here these next six games although I would even say they probably have to go better than 500 and that you know four and two five and one heaven forbid or not heaven forbid I guess heaven granting six and oh I mean that would be a very fun (laughs) few weeks of games but I do think the Suns are still in it here four and a half games out and you kind of look through the rest it's like We'll go through it in the next few segments, but there's not one clear favorite, and I think that makes it even more exciting. Yeah, that's what's really intriguing here, and I'm just looking over the teams here in this race. Like you mentioned, we're going to go over our real, our buyers and sellers, really who makes the most sense moving forward here over the next month or so as far as who's going to be staying in this race. But comparing the Suns here to the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, we can throw in the Kings in there as well. They've made a run recently. If Devin Booker and DeAndre can catch fire a little bit, get some chemistry going, if the bench maintains and shows last night against Utah, they could be a, a competent group together. The the foursome of Javon Carter, you have Cam Johnson in there as well. Aaron Baines off the bench. Dario Scharch having good games off the bench. How, how confident would you say, on like a scale of 1 to 10, would you think, b- believe that maybe the Suns team could actually make a run where we're in the early parts of April and the Suns are only, let's say, two or two and a half games out? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at it, unfortunately as much as it's it's easy to kind of go team by team and I feel great about this team I feel not so great about this team you know the reality is a lot of it is going to come down to that's why I pointed to the strength of schedule first like it's going to start to come down to things like that how good are the teams you're playing how many home games do you have versus road games although for for Phoenix and for Memphis both teams who have played surprisingly a little better on the road than at home and and so 
you know, all of those things are, are going to be bigger factors. But I think when you just talk about the Suns, to me, this is the most confident I've felt in, in them. I don't want to overreact to just this Utah win and whatnot, but when you combine that with the fact that Aiton's playing so well and continuing to improve and I think just impacting the game pretty much every night, which that's the biggest, when you zoom out, to me that's the biggest, most promising part of this stretch for him is he hasn't had an awful game in weeks, and that's great, and and that has not been true really at all during his career. And then you add in the fact that the Suns are – healthy and that this starting lineup you know like you mentioned with the bench that really is a product of their health and then this starting lineup is just blowing everyone out they're now the best lineup in the league that's played over 200 minutes I know that was going around Twitter this morning and it had been kind of that lineup had been pretty strong all year just a matter of Aiton getting back in the fold and then playing a lot more together and it's stayed put they are incredible and they're especially really good over the past few weeks in third quarters they they've been the the past three games on that road trip they were great and they outscored team the opposing team in every third quarter so there's statistical indicators there's health indicators everything kind of is coalescing for the suns right now that this is the best that i've felt but like i said it's going to just be really a matter of winning games against better teams and uh just not losing the, the dumb ones, they've lost a lot of those this year. They just can't afford any more of them. Yeah, certainly agree with you there. And looking at this homestand for a second, Bryn, just diving into it a little bit more. I know we're going to be talking about an awful lot here over the next couple of weeks because I think this stretch really here kind of is the last stand for this team if they want to stay in this race because I, I, I know Memphis is playing a tough schedule, but I feel like they're not going to fall off the face of the earth anytime soon. I know Zion and the Pelicans are surging a little bit now. You can never count Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. But looking over the six-game stretch here, you're going against the Clippers to start things off, Kawhi and Paul George, so that's not going to be a fun one. You have the Pistons, though, and the Warriors on a, on a stretch back-to-back where I think the Suns could win both those games pretty easily, to be honest. And you have the, the Raptors, the Trailblazers, and the Bucks to close up the six-game stand. So a really tough opener there with the, the Clippers, but I think the last three games there, Raptors, Trailblazers, and Bucks are really going to decide this. Yeah, to me, the few things I'm looking at, they basically, if they lose to the Warriors or the Pistons, it's going to be really bad. They have to win those games. I'm looking at if the if uh, Lillard is back in time for that Portland game. I would imagine he will be because I think you know the earlier part of that timetable, which was originally just one or two weeks, and that was the day before the All Star break, so we're already almost at two weeks for that. I would imagine he'll be back. They still should win that game, but it'll obviously be tougher. I think those three in the middle, they they basically need to win. And then it's a matter of stealing one or more of the rest. So, you know, maybe that's taking some of this positivity around the Clippers game and, or heading into the Clippers game and, and beating L.A. They're, you know, integrating a couple guys. They have Patrick Beverly, who just came back on top of their trade deadline buyout players that they just acquired um, and then at the end, I mean, Raptors and Bucks, I think, might be the two best teams in the East. So I would hope to be, if, if in an ideal world to me, you, the Clippers game is the one you win, and then you win the middle three games, and you're on a six-game winning streak heading into the Raptors-Bucks. I know it's not an actual back-to-back, but those two back-to-back games to finish things out, and, and you're feeling really good about yourself, and that's where you start to maybe think maybe they do 
you know, win one of those and finish five and one, or even if they lose both, they give themselves a cushion. That's, that's in an ideal world, what I think would be the hope. Yeah, definitely agree there. I think three and three is attainable for this team. Definitely. I think that's on the table before and two, or maybe even higher than that is what the goal should be here. Because if the Suns, I know Monty Williams mentioned it, I think right after the all-star break, the, the playoffs are still one of the main goals for this team. I think he mentioned, I believe Doug and Wolf, but, um, if that's if that's their main goal, then this stretch definitely is very important coming up here, Brennan. But uh, anything else as far as the Suns go, as far as how important this stretch is and where how they can stay afloat here in this in this race? We've talked about it a lot. I'll just leave one note here, and then we can head into the next segment and talk about some of these other teams. The Suns are back firmly. Well, not firmly, but they are in the lead in terms of point differential, average point differential. They're at negative 0.9, which would mean they should just be a, a touch below 500, but they have just gotten such bad luck in some of these games that they are obviously 24 and 34, but they're ahead of this entire pack, including Memphis, in terms of that statistic, which they have been most of the year. And so if there's, you know, it's kind of running out to just rely on the stats and things like that to regress to the mean, but there is still some hope that they do get some late game, tight game luck over the next month and a half, two months until the season's over. Yeah, I think that certainly could bounce that way because we've seen the Suns lose, I think, about seven, eight, nine, even more than that games where it's single digits or less, one possession or less. And a lot of those come against Western Conference opponents, too. So they've really lost some crucial ground in that category. But like you mentioned, Brandon, if the point differential, if that keeps going the right way for this team, maybe they do keep making a run here as we approach March and April, the stretch season for the Phoenix Suns. But before we go on to our next segment, Devin, maybe who could be our buyers and sellers as far as this playoff race goes, is we have five teams battling for one spot here. I want to tell you guys about, um, if you are a local business, want to get in touch with us here at Locked On Suns or Locked On Podcast Network, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers that reach us here. But may not know that the Locked On Suns podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Suns fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company a unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener. If you want to connect your company with Suns fans and a primarily male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Already, Brent, start off maybe with our buyers here if you wanted to, or maybe we can do sellers. I'll give you the court here. Which one do you want to start off with? Yeah, and to be clear, what we mean by that is the teams that we are buying and selling. So as far as who we think will get better, you know, obviously the trade deadlines in the past, so it's not like teams that are buying. But, uh, you know, I want to talk about the the team that I'm selling on, and that's that really truly is Memphis. And again, the reason that I think this conversation is still worth having, despite the Suns having such a long path to getting to uh, the playoffs, the 538 gives them a 2% chance. We didn't mention that in the last segment. The Suns are the lowest in terms of that because they have the ninth best remaining strength of schedule. But the Memphis Grizzlies, as I said, are, are tops in the league. They have the hardest remaining schedule. So that's one for me. The other one that we didn't say at the top of the show is Jaron Jackson is hurt right now. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks at least, or I guess one to two, but uh, we will see there what that turns into. And I was actually having a, a conversation on Twitter with Ross Homan, who we had around the time of the draft last year, and he's a Memphis fan, I think adopted because of all the draft picks that they've nailed in recent seasons. And he was noting how 
he thinks that one of the underrated things about the trade that they made with the Andre Iguodala and kind of all those that flurry they did at the trade deadline is this team's really uh, bereft of veterans right now after all of those moves. They had Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill playing. You know, those aren't great players, but especially on defense, guys that I think do really raise your floor. And, you know, they still have Jonas Valanciunas. They still have Tyus Jones, who's a little bit of a vet compared to some of their very young players. Kyle Anderson, too, but they are replacing a lot of that with more Brandon Clark minutes, more DeAnthony Melton minutes. And I just don't know if I don't know if they can keep it up. I don't know if, if they can be the kind of consistent, reliable team that they were when they were ripping off wins in January. And and so that's you see it the past three games now they've they've lost a lot of I think that's just the their all of their games since the All-Star break. So I'm curious, you know, when the schedule gets harder and they don't have this veteran talent to rely on and they're starting to deal with injuries finally. They've been pretty healthy almost all season. I think that's a pretty you know, good recipe for a little bit of a downturn for a team that's kind of been riding luck a lot of the year. They've been on the opposite side of the Suns where they've won a lot of close games and they've won a lot of single digit games where the Suns have not. I know we just touched on the predominantly just a sun section last summer, but looking at that and Jaron Jackson injury, if he is indeed out, let's say two more weeks, I think that just puts more impetus on how important this kind of stretches for the Suns team, the six game homestand, because we could be reaching a point here if we're doing another playoff update here in two, two and a half weeks where the Grizzlies have fallen all the way down. They've lost their lead on everyone else. And this could be really a, a straight up five man, five team race because all these teams could really be packed up in one spot, maybe half or one game apart from each other. Exactly. And so it's, it just starts to be a matter of, as I was saying in the last segment, it's, it's really a matter of who wins the games they're not supposed to win, who beats the teams you know, road wins like the ones that the one the Suns just had against the Jazz or, you know, a home game that's down to the wire against a team like the Clippers or the Bucks. Right. Those are games the Suns are not going to be favored in. The stats models are going to show they're going to count that, you know, on average nine out of 10 times. That's a loss. Right. So who of these teams is going to win those games and, and decide the, you know, go against what the stats say, go against what the the models say and, and start to rack up some wins. Or on the other side, I think the Grizzlies are a team that could lose some of those games that they're not supposed to lose. They have a game on March 2nd in Atlanta. I could, you know, I could see them losing that. So uh, we'll have to see. They do have a pretty easy schedule in the very near future, Memphis does. It's really once you're looking at the very end of the season where, you know, the last month or so that they start to get tough. They have uh, a home and home against New Orleans, they have a game against they have two road games against Milwaukee and Toronto. They have two more road games against Houston. So just a, a tough one. But who is your the team you are selling on most right now? I would say it's probably I, I know I hate to count them out because they've always been in the playoffs, but I, I'm just not buying the San Antonio Spurs. I think I maybe had them as buyers this last time we did like a month or so ago because they were hot at that point in the season. But I think they're just showing how inconsistent they've been. They've lost for the last six games, they barely beat both the teams they defeated, the Thunder and the Jazz, by a few possessions. So they could easily be on a six-game lose streak at this point. They're 24-32. and 32. They're right ahead of the Suns by a game in the win-loss column. But 
I just don't trust DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge to be your 1A and your 1B on a team that's going to be a playoff contender. You know, I, I just I would definitely buy more on other teams on this list outside of San Antonio. Even I might even buy more Sacramento if they finally get healthy with guys like Marvin Bagley. Who knows if he'll ever be healthy at this point in this season. But if De'Aaron Fox get hot, if Buddy Heal and Bogdanovich get hot for that team, I'd probably buy them more so. If I had to pick a between one of those two teams for a selling off, I'd probably say the Spurs, to be honest. Yeah, the reason I've discounted the Spurs all along is and the Kings is the same as what you're saying, which is you just when you talk about those deciding games, those down to the wire, the the unexpected wins that good playoff teams nab at the end of the year. I think a good comparison here, maybe not in terms of the star talent point that you were just making that I was going to agree with, but like remember how Orlando like the last month of the season, they just played like top three defense and just soared to a playoff race. And they really earned that one. They, they showed that that's like, it was not a, oh my God, this, this terrible eighth seed in the East team. They ended up going all the way to seventh and, and Detroit was in eighth, but that's the kind of push that I think is it's going to take here for one of these teams to take over Memphis. And when you think about who's going to do that for Orlando, it was just, incredible team defense for I really think it's going to come down to in the west who has the best players that are going to continuously every night bring it and and give you a, a nightly advantage and I don't see that with Memphis especially with Jaron gone I mean he's not a superstar level scorer but I think he is a guy who you know an, an out of nowhere 40 point night for him is not uncommon and those can really tilt the scales jaw the same way I think you know Damian Lillard Zion Williamson, Devin Booker, those are the three that I think have that ability to be that player who just puts your team on your back and, and gets there, and the Spurs don't have that player. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. I know Greg Popovich has been a reliable force for that team, just coaching them and really helping them boost extra wins when they shouldn't be with less talented rosters. But I think this is finally the year where the Spurs probably go by the wayside and don't make the playoffs for the first time in a very long time. But any other teams on your sellers list, Brandon? Because I think, I mean, we mentioned the Grizzlies, who I think definitely Jaron Jackson out for the next couple weeks are going to slip a little bit. The Kings and the Spurs, we've never really been hot on anyways. But anyone else on this list that may, might sell a little bit on? Yeah, I don't buy the Kings. I just, I think that, you know, they've had a little bit of success. They put together just kind of not a huge stretch of, you know, 10 straight wins or anything, but they've just been played playing pretty consistently above average basketball for a couple months I just don't think they have the juice like I said they haven't gone on that rip through I don't think they have it in them I think you need consider what 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 is the king's identity I mean I'm not going to pretend like I watch them all the time but I still feel like they're a team figuring themselves out they're changing their rotation still they don't have health they you know haven't gotten the type of breakout season from Fox that they were expecting I think that they are you know probably an average team but I don't think that they're they have it in them to just go on a tear and really soar up the standing so I'm kind of discounting them I think they're barely on the fringes of this even though the record might say otherwise so they have the worst point differential among any of these teams and I think that's that that is one where the numbers I think are pretty pretty honest pretty much telling us what we need to know there that they are a little bit of a fake in terms of being in this race but we'll have to see maybe they'll prove us wrong maybe Bagley does get healthy and and puts together a nice stretch to end his second season which has really been a lost year for him after coincidentally hurrying his uh his thumb on opening night against the suns so hasn't really ever gotten back from that injury and then other ones if he gets back maybe things change but until then i I don't buy the kings 
we can move on to the teams we are buying on, which maybe the process of elimination can tell you who those are. Uh, and until then, just one break to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's show, which is the Arizona Office of Tourism. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to the Valley of the Sun for the Cactus League. Between amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Games are in full swing. I know that for me, working in the service industry in the Valley for the past like five years of my life, it's means that stuff is very busy, but I think that's a great sign because that means people are enjoying it and that you would as well. If you've not already planned your trip, uh, I don't really know what you're doing. Uh, spring break or just a, a quick weekend out. I know that there's, uh, you know, school and job and all that stuff can get in the way, but you're really missing out if you don't at least find a quick a quick stop over or for any of our fans who are listening from Arizona you really have no excuse you already know exactly what I'm talking about live music great food beautiful weather and awesome baseball I mean half the league is coming to the valley to play in in beautiful stadiums all across the state so uh, if you have not made a trip and you live here you're just crazy and if you are out of town and, and you're thinking about something to do with the family or Take a quick trip by yourself, whatever it is. I cannot recommend spring training enough for you. Plan your getaway right now at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Again, one more time for you. Visit arizona.com slash spring training to plan your spring training getaway right now. My first, uh, the team that I'm buying here uh, is, I mean, we have to just zero in on the Pelicans and what they have done lately, I think. Seven and three over their past 10 games. They are the team when I was kind of uh, hesitating to say the Suns were the far and away best in terms of point differential. That's because the Pelicans are at minus one, just a little ways off of where the Suns are. And a team that's, you know, really doomed themselves. They lost 12 or 13 in a row in November and December and were not able to put themselves in position for when Zion came back to make a run, although now they have, and, and the lack of the Grizzlies' ability to, to put, put it away here has let New Orleans stick around, and I really feel like they're just a scary team when you think about the, the way they play. You know, we talked about those close games and just the luck of the draw for that type of situation, and New Orleans just bombing away from three and having – Drew Holiday, Zion Williamson, a couple stars that can put up 30, 40 points in a night. That's a pretty formidable enemy. And, and the team that 538 has at a 66% chance, they are far and away, like blasting away the competition here in the 538 model in terms of who's going to make this eighth seed. Yeah. And they've, I think they've, 538's always really been bullish in the Pelicans. And it's not hard to explain why just because Zion and just how talented that team is with guys like Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday. And you look at Zion Williamson, Brandon, since he really got his minutes restriction off him, which is the first two games he played less than 20 minutes. But since then, over the last calendar month or so, he's just been a really live it to the hype, to be honest, averaging 24 points per game, seven rebounds, two assists, and almost a steal and a block per game. It's crazy to say how hyped up Zion was, but he's – Certainly up to the billing so far, averaging almost 25 points over his last 10 games. It's crazy that he's translated so quickly. I think the thing that even when he was in college and, and even now, I mean, not to go too far down the Zion rabbit hole, but he's pretty much the youngest player in the NBA. If Sekou Dumboya didn't exist, 
Uh, Zion would be the youngest guy in the NBA, I believe. I guess Jalen McHugh might be in there as well. But uh, it's just it's bonkers, really, what he's able to what he's been able to do just stepping into the league. I know the clip of him just punking Draymond Green went around on the internet this weekend, and it's cool that people who aren't necessarily college basketball fans are finally getting a taste of him. I know we talked about him ad nauseum last year I feel like I watched him more at Duke than I've been able to since he's returned to the Pelicans so I have to catch more they're playing the Lakers on Tuesday night which is going to just be an awesome game LeBron versus Zion but who is the team you are buying here all right this might surprise people because I mean I'm with you on the Pelicans I'd probably say they're first on the list but second on the list I would say the Phoenix Suns I think I am buying them over to Portland right now I've just been watching so many Blazers games recently and They've been so consistent for the past two and a half months that that's kind of, I think, who they are at this point. Dame will get hot at some points. CJ will get hot at some points. But I just feel like they're so inconsistent to their own fault that I, I really don't think that Portland's going to be a team that gets in the playoffs. I think they're going to be floating around this 9-10 seed where they're at currently right now. And I maybe I'm wrong there, but I just don't think Dame's able to put this team over the top because they're so just lacking depth right now with all the injuries and relying on Carmelo Anthony a little too much for my liking. But I think Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, especially with DeAndre, and over his last um, 10 games, Brian, since January 28th, Aiden is averaging 21.9 points, 11.7 rebounds, 2.2 assists, and 1.8 blocks per game. And the Suns are five points better per 100 possession when he's on the court. So when Aiden is playing so far over the last month, the Suns are doing really well. They're four and six over those last 10 games. If they can take advantage of the six-game stretch, Brian, I think we could be talking about the Suns, maybe like the Grizzlies, where they're maybe only a game or two out of that eight seed by the time we're talking again in a couple weeks. I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think that just that starting lineup to me and the fact that you really can't account for the, incre- the not the increased progress, that's kind of an oxymoron, but the continued growth that Aiton is going to, to, to undergo here. I think that to me is the thing that kind of blows it all out of the water. You know, the same could be said, I think, of John Morant and Zion Williamson. Those guys, you know, if, if they just get even better, take it up a level, then, you know, maybe all bets are off there. But the Suns do have another guy in that same ballpark, and that's that's really exciting. It, it makes the season worth watching regardless of if they're in the playoff race, but I think it also does give them more than a puncher's chance at the playoff race. I would definitely – I know their schedule is, is harder than most of the rest of these teams, but uh, I think 2% feels a little bit low for where the Suns should be, and they are – at 2% in the 538 odds. So I think the game, this this home game stretch, the one against Portland will be in, important. They also have another game against Portland in the next little while, uh, you know, whatever, until the end of the season. I think it's in late March. So if they, you know, that that's a four-game series, so they could tie that season series. But winning both of those, they don't have many more teams that they can beat the season series in. And so... New Orleans and Portland are the only two, which would mean if they tied those two teams, they still have a chance to go above them. The rest, they either tied or lost already, Memphis, San Antonio, and Sacramento. So beating Portland will be big for the Suns. Beating New Orleans will be big for the Suns. And then just taking care of business at home here. So uh, I agree. They are a team that I'm buying. I think I would be expecting them and New Orleans to go up and the rest of these teams to, to trickle downward. If Portland didn't have that Damian Lillard injury, I would expect them to continue on the stretch they were on before the All-Star break, but losing him, I mean, that just might be the death, the death knell for their, uh, for their odds. I just can't see them rallying around. Uh, I know CJ and, and Carmelo went off in that last game, 
but I really, I mean, I just, here's who they played off the bench in that game. I just want to go through it. It was against the Pistons. They did win by three. Wenyan Gabriel, Mario Hazonia, Nasir Little, and Anthony Simons, nobody played more than 18 minutes off the bench for them. Oh, like, huh. what are we doing here? Yeah, that, that's really rough. And maybe we can close the show talk about this, Brian, because I think we're on the same page here as far as how we cluster these teams. And let's just say for hypothetical reasons and really realistic reasons, we throw out the Kings and the Spurs because I think we're I think they're at the very bottom of this list. But if you wanted to cluster up the four teams of Memphis, Phoenix, New Orleans, and Portland over the next two weeks, how would you rank those? This New Orleans, Phoenix, and Portland. Yeah, I would say I probably, I you know, if we're just saying the next 10 games, what each team's record is, like the little 10-game standings, I would probably expect that it goes New Orleans and then Phoenix and Memphis probably pretty close. Phoenix maybe just slightly edging them out. And then uh, Portland in fourth place. I just don't think they can. I mean, look, they yes, they won that game. It was the freaking Pistons who are just selling off their whole team right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Portland will be behind by far, I think Sacramento and San Antonio are going to start to fade too. And then, yeah, it's, I think it's a three-team race right now. New Orleans and Memphis, probably the two favorites, and the Suns uh, with a puncher's chance on the outside of that. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun playoff race here in the next couple of weeks, and especially throughout the rest of the season here, because if the Suns are able to take advantage of the six-game homestand, burn, I think the fortunes do change. I think the buzz will start to grow a little bit for the first time since November, December. But Anything else you want to hit on as far as this playoff race goes? Because, like we mentioned, I think I think we're going to know a lot more about the Suns over this next two weeks. Come to the games. Anyone listening to this who can come? Maybe if you're going to a spring training game and you've been hearing <laughs> me talk about that, you can come. Uh, but yeah, Suns are not doing fantastic in attendance, and I think that's a tragedy because they've been way more watchable this year than uh, plenty of years past where their attendance was better. That makes no sense to me. Come see a game if you have not. And there's no better time than during this really season-defining stretch that they have coming up. Alrighty, guys. That's for today's episode of Locked on Suns. Appreciate everyone listening. And as always, we're about to get to tomorrow live Talking Stick Resort Arena to recap the Clippers game.